The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, Disability Law Show. Once again, you want to reach out any time to Savan or Albert. It is really simple. I'm going to give you a toll-free number. Keep it with you, 1-855-821-5900. Just that simple. The website, disabilityrights.ca. The email address, which we're going to get to uh, in just a little bit, fellas, will be help at disabilityrights.ca. Good morning or good day, gentlemen. How are you? What's uh, what's going on today? Savan, take it away, pal. Yeah, we are good, John. Uh, another uh, great week. And I say great week because we've been able to speak to a lot of people out there uh, in Ontario, in BC. I've spoken to people in Alberta. Let me start off by talking about something that we've talked about now for the past few shows. And again, I want to reiterate this. Uh, you know, insurance companies are in the business of selling you insurance, whether it's travel insurance, car insurance, house insurance, they collect premiums. And they have an obligation, once they collect those premiums from, uh, for you, to pay on claims uh, when you've proved the claim, when you've submitted an expense or when, you know, when you've had an accident or have a long-term disability claim. The insurance company has an obligation to honor the policy and to pay you. And so this brings me to something that I have been dealing with more and more now. People are contacting me because as a result of COVID, Again, across the country, Canadians have canceled their trips since back in March. Uh, and they've put in trip cancellation claims through their credit cards, you know, because maybe, uh, not maybe, the, the, the majority of, of major banks, TD, Scotia, RBC, all of them have insurance divisions. And so people put in claims through their credit card insurance, uh, through their travel insurance companies that they've purchased, you know, if they purchase travel insurance with their itinerary. And uh, they've been getting pushback. Insurance companies are not paying those claims. Uh, and, and what many insurance companies are saying is that because you are being offered a credit by the airline or by the cruise line or by the resort or whoever, that in itself disentitles you to compensation, to reimbursement under the insurance policy. Now, here's the thing. That is only true, only true if the insurance policy contains provisions that say that if you get a credit or a voucher or some other non-monetary compensation, then they don't have to pay you. If your insurance policy doesn't say that, and it's really quick to find out, you just look at the insurance policy. If it doesn't say that, the insurance company cannot use that as an excuse to deny you payment. And so what I tell people is if you are in that boat, if you had put in a trip cancellation claim because of COVID or some other reason, there was a travel advisory, you know, that was issued, actually multiple travel advisories when COVID hit our shores. If you've put in trip cancellation claims and you have not been reimbursed by your travel insurer, contact me. Uh, let's have a chat. It's not going to take long. It's not going to cost you anything. I'm doing this as a public service because I want people to know their rights. In most cases, John, we're talking about a few thousand dollars. You know, for the insurance companies out there, that's nothing. That's that's sense. But for, for the majority of people out there, you, me, everyone else, a few thousand dollars for a trip is a lot of money. And there's no reason why insurance companies collected all those premiums they collected and are now not paying anything. So, so you know, this is not right. And, uh, you know, people should feel free to contact me. Uh, and and I, I will give them advice as to as to what it is that they can do, uh, what legal recourse they have. And sometimes they don't have a legal recourse, but at least they'll know. And this is what I've been talking to people throughout the week about. 
Again, guys, yeah. uh, reaching yeah. out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Yeah, man, go ahead. Okay, so I want to talk about something else. I um, I'm friends with with many doctors out there mm-hmm. uh, because of the type of practice that I've had over the years. Uh, you know, I, I've come across a lot of doctors: orthopedic surgeons, physiatrists, chronic pain doctors, psychologists. And it's interesting to me when when we talk about cases without divulging confidentiality, uh, it's interesting to me, you know, what happens in in the cases, the people that they treat and how insurance companies are dealing with their patients. Uh, But it's also interesting to me to understand uh, when an individual chooses which lawyer or law firm to hire if they've been injured in an accident or if they've been denied long-term disability. And this past week, I had received an email from a friend of mine, a doctor friend of mine, who said, look, I have a patient. He was involved in a very severe car accident around Ottawa. And uh, we're talking about you know, major, major injuries in the hospital. And he's asking me, do you, do you have any recommendations for a lawyer or law firm in the Ottawa area? Well, we have an office there, just like we have offices in other places in Ontario and in B.C., But I told him, you know, in this day and age, the location of the office, the physical office, is irrelevant, really. As long as you have a law firm that has the resources and the expertise, that's where these individuals should go to for help. Um, And, and, you know, so I, I told him, I said, you know, there's certainly individuals on my team that are exceptional when it comes to these kinds of accidents. They know the law. Uh, insurance companies know them. They have a good reputation, excellent reputation. So I can put that individual, your patient, in touch with one of those lawyers if, if they like. So he came back and said, you know, that's fantastic. I, I actually told him that. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're Russian-speaking, and they would be more, uh, um, I guess, comfortable with a Russian-speaking lawyer. Now, I understand Russian. I can't speak it, but I understand it. And, 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 you know, it it sort of occurred to me that many people make decisions on which lawyer or law firm to hire based on on erroneous factors. Now, I understand that there is a comfort level to hire a lawyer that that speaks your language. It's fine. I understand that. But let's take an analogy here, a medical analogy. Imagine that you had a really bad heart problem and you needed the best heart specialist out there. Are you going to make a decision on which heart specialist to hire based on the language they speak or based on their reputation and expertise? I mean, if it's up to me and I'm selecting a doctor, whether it's a, it's a heart issue or a lung issue or a brain issue, I'm going to go to the best doctor out there. I don't care what language they speak, right? And, and frankly, in this day and age, there are ways to communicate. There's translators, whatever. So, you know, the, the, the messaging here is that if you have a legal problem, and it doesn't have to be a personal injury matter or a disability matter or a family law matter, it's any matter. You want the best lawyers, the best law firm out there to represent you. Because guess what? You could go to that lawyer that speaks your language, and that lawyer knows nothing about the law that he or she is purporting to know about. And what's going to happen is that at the end of the day, you'll understand your lawyer, they'll understand you, but you'll get 10 cents on the dollar when you've suffered a catastrophic injury. So you have to be very, very careful about that. There are many lawyers out there who say, we have lawyers that speak 1,500 languages. You know, okay, good, great for you. But do you have the reputation? Do you have the resources to take on these cases, to take on these insurance companies? Do these insurance companies know you as a major player in that field? Because I'm telling you, when you hire a lawyer, whether you're dealing with a disability claim or a personal injury claim, you are not just hiring that lawyer, you're hiring that lawyer's reputation. That's really what you are hiring. 
and and you're hiring that that law firm's resources. Right. So my message to people out there: if you have an issue like that, a disability claim, a personal injury claim, an employment law claim, right? Because this is what we deal with. We have a tremendous, tremendous reputation out there in Ontario and in BC. We've proved it time and time again. And just go to our website, go on Google, look at our reviews. You'll see what I'm talking about. So, so just be careful of hiring a lawyer based on factors that are irrelevant and completely inconsequential, inconsequential to, 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 to the outcome of your case. Guys, number toll-free anytime for uh, for Savannah or Albert. Use it, 1-855-821-5900. Getting some emails very shortly, and that would be help at disabilityrights.ca. Albert, what say you, pal? What's going on? So I'll be quick here, John, but uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me today. So I uh, found out kind of recently that a lawyer that I've worked with many, many times and I have a very positive relationship with, and when I say positive relationship with, I don't mean we're going out for dinners, but I mean that we've worked together a number of different times. I respect him. He respects me. And we both know we both know how we're going to manage a file. We both know that we're more than prepared to take the file forward. And because of that, uh, often we can circumvent a lot of the different steps of the legal process. And that's exactly what we did here. I found out that I had eight different files with this one lawyer, eight different active files, and now four of them we're going to resolve within a month or two, which is just amazing. Uh, and you can't do that if you don't regularly practice LTD, LTD work, or it's going to be more unlikely that you're going to be able to do that because you don't know all the different players in the industry. You're not going to be able to circumvent those, uh, those different steps of the legal process because the other side isn't going to trust what you say. The other side isn't going to be certain that you're going to take the case forward if uh, the insurance company isn't willing to pay what you need what you need to ultimately settle the file, which is ultimately uh, ultimately either a reinstatement of benefits mm-hmm. or a large lump sum, which gives whoever the claimant is enough of a runway so that they can get better. And that's really what we're that's really what we're always seeking here for our clients. And it's great when we when we can get it in a month or two. And uh, certainly on four different files here with four different clients, I'm able to do that with this one lawyer, which is great. Van, have you uh, have you seen much of that? Well, I, I can say yes, I, I have um, for, for years, and this ties into the first point I made, John, which is that when you hire a certain lawyer and a certain law firm, uh, you are hiring more than just that lawyer or that law firm. You are hiring really the equity that they have built, the reputation they have built. That becomes your shield and your sword. Uh, in prosecuting your claim. And that often means that the claim will be not only maximized in terms of value, but it also means that you know the other side will understand very quickly that it makes more sense to resolve the case rather than drag their feet. You know, John, when I used to do defense work, and of course I would get a claim on my desk, given to me by the insurance company. (laughs) I I looked at at, who the the lawyer is and who the law firm is. I looked at the last page. And and if I thought that it was a lawyer or a law firm that are not really experts in the field and sort of categorize them as a level C, level B lawyers, I'm sorry, that's just the way we look at these things. I would tell that to my client. And I tell my client, I can make this drag on. I I have so many tricks up my sleeve. And at at the end of the day, you know, I would feel sorry for that lawyer's client because they hired the wrong lawyer. Because in the hands of a different law firm, I would have been a lot more careful 
with how I handled my, uh, th that claim. Uh, and, and frankly, I would have advised my insurance client to, to settle and to pay money. So again, remember, you need to know which law firm and which lawyers you hire. And this is why we're doing this show as well, is to educate people. Going to move over to emails as promised, so uh, stick around for you. Want to send one along? You can do that anytime, like now would be good. It is help at disabilityrights.ca, the phone number to reach out to uh, Savan or Albert, member of their team, 1-855-821-5900. There's also a resource for you to ask questions anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can use that and check it out. There's a uh, fairly good chance, high probability, that your uh, question had been answered in the past. You can search the database before you uh, take the time to type one yourself. So there you go. We'll get back to it. Disability Law Show right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are back, Disability Law Show. Thanks for sticking around and tuning in here each week. You want to reach out to uh, the team anytime, one 855 821 the website disabilityrights.ca, and lots of information and questions if you want to ask them when we're not on the air. And that is uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. Guys, before the break, you were just talking about how the fact that an insurance company will, you know, get a claim and flip to the back. Look at the name of the law firm and lawyer that's going to be handling the case, and that can readjust their position. In fact, uh, I guess, Albert, it would be safe to say that it would readjust how much they're going to have in reserve and have to fight because it could become a larger dollar amount if they're up against a reasonable and worthy adversary. Let's just put it that way. You've had, you've had that situation recently, right? I actually had that situation happen yesterday on a phone, wow. on, on a phone call that I had with uh, with another lawyer uh, who I also have a positive relationship with. And in this file, we're selling it very, very quickly. I think I issued about three weeks ago. Uh, and she was actually telling me uh, exactly what Savan said, that uh, one of the first things that she does is she looks who's on the file, uh, both the person and the law firm. And in some instances... She'll refuse to mediate or negotiate with them because she know she she doesn't know she doesn't know who they are or she knows that they have a bad reputation. So in those instances, all that she's willing to do is she's going to fight and she's going to fight tooth and nail because she doesn't have that positive relationship and she can't trust that uh, she can't trust that, that a that person's a worthy adversary, kind of as you put it, but b that they're going to say what they actually are they going to they're going to do what they actually say, and so in those instances. You've got to imagine how long and drawn out that this process can be. I mean, there's many different steps of litigation that yeah. can happen, and it's nice when you can circumvent them. Savannah, I did mention before the break, uh, in fact, I did when it came back as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. This website's been up for some time. It's a really good resource for people to just to ask questions and get them answered by you guys. You have one uh, recently, right? Yeah, I, I have one that came uh, from a gentleman uh, in Toronto, and, and here's what this person wrote. Uh, he says, I'm approved for long-term disability in late July of this year for six months. I got a call from my manager informing me that the company is under reorganization and will be, I will be terminated on or about October 24th. I will get a formal letter from HR uh, this week or next. On the call, he told me that he has a position, much lower pay than my current pay, at another company. He will personally connect me uh, to the hiring manager. He told me mm -hmm. to apply ASAP as many applicants on the first day of posting. Uh, sorry, as there are many applicants on the first day of posting. He also asked me to send my resume to his personal email. 
with my current disability, should I take him up on this advice? Should I apply for the job? So it's an interesting question because this person is essentially saying that he's on LTD, he's about to be let go uh, next month, uh, and that his manager says, well, but you should apply to this other position in this other company. So let's start off from the proposition that if you are on LTD and you are being let go from your job, uh, then you need to reach out to us because not only are you entitled to severance, you may have a claim for human rights damages. It's illegal in Ontario and in BC to terminate someone from their employment while they are on LTD, while they are disabled. Okay, And the reason why this is important is because there is an interplay between LTD law and employment law. And what I mean by that is that if you are an LTD, remember that you are being paid by the insurance company pursuant to the policy of disability that you are with, that you are under. And most of these policies contain provisions that stipulate that if you receive severance, uh, then that severance gets credited to the insurance company. So that means that if this person uh, gets severance, let's say $10,000 uh, for, for being terminated from their job, the LTD insurer can say, you got to pay us back that 10000 You can't get the 10000 plus the LTD amounts. Or, or we'll simply not pay you LTD for that period that equates to the $10,000 you're getting a severance. So, so, you know, you potentially are losing money here. In fact, you are losing money because you're not getting the severance you're owed. And, and there are ways around that. And, and, you know, there are ways around that if, 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 you, if you pursue human rights damages, there are ways around that depending on how uh, a settlement with your employer is structured. Uh, I'm not going to get into the technicalities here, but my point is that you want to make sure that you reach out to us if you are on disability and you are being told that your job will come to an end because you have entitlements and you want to make sure that not only do you pursue those entitlements, but you minimize how much of that amount that you're supposed to be getting is going to go back to the insurance company. Now, with respect to this person's other question, should I take in his advice in applying for the job? I think that depends on whether or not he's in fact ready to go back to work because if you are ready to go back to work, uh, then you should not be on disability. It's that simple. Okay, we're not those lawyers out there who will say, yeah, yeah, just keep just keep being on disability. It doesn't matter that you can go back to work. It doesn't matter that you're better. No, if you can go back to work and you've been cleared by your doctors, you should go back to work or try to go back to work. If you can't, then you should not. And of course, we're going to get into, uh, John, the various emails that, that you know are, are standing by here about people who are telling us that they're, they're being pressured by their long-term disability insurers to try and go back to work. But you know, from the perspective of, of this individual who wrote this, uh, this post, this question on mydisabilityquestions.com, remember, uh, if you are on disability, you should not lose your job. And if your employer tells you that you're about to lose your job, you should be contacting us ASAP so we can advise you on your rights. The number, by the way, to reach out, toll-free. Just keep it, one 821 5900 As promised, guys, want to reach down into our uh, email uh, bag and get to the first one. Josh writes in, says, guys, my wife suffers from postpartum depression, and in addition to that, she also has had a very tough time at work in the past couple of years. She works at a design agency, and recently management changed her, or changed, and her new manager is abusive. She's been seeing a therapist for her depression, and recently she started seeing a psychiatrist, also who prescribed her medications. She was on short-term disability for a few months, and then she applied for long-term disability. She was told that she wasn't totally disabled. 
I get that the insurance doesn't think that she is totally disabled, but the fact is that she can't work and her doctors agree. Is there something we can do to challenge this denial? Let me let me start off by answering this, Josh, and then Albert can jump in. Uh, first of all, you know, immediately when I see a denial letter from a long-term disability insurer saying the person is not totally disabled, I immediately, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, step back and say, okay, uh, what what exactly what proof do we have? that have been submitted by the disabled individual to the insurance company that says that they're disabled. And, and generally I see letters from psychiatrists, doctors, uh, you know, psychologists, whoever. And, and what, what I notice is that people are, are uh, misunderstanding what the term totally disabled means. So let me break this down. Total disability or totally disabled is not what you as a lay person thinks it means in the context of long-term disability. Total disability or or totally disabled is a made-up term by the insurance industry, in my view, to confuse you and to confuse your doctors. Because the word totally or total indicates complete, right? You think 100% or close to 100%. If I'm saying to you, John, this person is totally brain dead, you're thinking that person is a vegetable, right? You're thinking that person really is in a coma of some sort right. or, or just, you know, there is no nothing going through their brain. That's not what that means in the context of long-term disability. It's a misleading term. To prove that you are totally disabled under an LTD policy, all you have to show through your doctor's reports and letters is that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years and beyond the two-year mark that you cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. So, Josh, when the insurance company here says, the contrary to your wife's psychiatrist, uh, they don't believe she's totally disabled, but the psychiatrist says that she is, she is totally disabled because her psychiatrist's opinion trumps the insurance company's opinion here. Okay. Now, that doesn't happen in every case, right? I mean, sometimes you have doctors who disagree. But in a case like this, John, where she was approved for short-term disability and then approved for long, and then this, and then not approved for long-term, I'm questioning why the insurance company uh, came to the conclusion that she's not disabled for long-term and yet she was approved for short-term. Now, it's possible that she was paid short-term disability by her employer or another insurance company, but you know the test for getting short-term disability and long-term disability are, are essentially the same. They're either the same or very similar. So really, Josh, to me, this seems like a fairly simple case to resolve. Albert, what do you think? Yeah, uh, Josh, I'm, I'm I'm definitely sorry to hear about uh, everything that you and your wife have been experiencing. It's, uh, it's definitely not easy when the insurance company isn't there to support you and you've been paying into this for years. It makes it all that more difficult. But uh, there is some there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, it's definitely great that the psychiatrist. Uh, has actually prescribed medication. So A, hopefully those will help. But B, that's a sign that your wife's condition is actually very serious. Psychiatrists don't just prescribe medications for the sake of doing that. They prescribe medications for people who have serious conditions here. And what credentials do the insurance company actually have to say whether your wife is disabled or not? Trust me, I question these adjusters all the time. I'm not here to uh, question, question the... Uh, question the adjuster at the end of the day here, but time and time again, I see that these adjusters, the same people who are making these decisions, 
as to whether your wife is disabled or not, those same people often are coming right out of high school, have no medical background, no medical training. Sometimes the insurance company, or quite often the insurance company, doesn't even really train them on what the policy definition is. And these are the types of admissions that I get on oath time and time again. So the very fact that your doctor, your wife's doctors are, are, are supportive are going to hold way more weight at the end of the day than some adjuster who probably doesn't have much in the way of uh, medical training to actually make these decisions. So keep that in mind and uh, give us a call at any time. We're here to help. Yeah, that number, again, I keep giving it out, but uh, you should probably know it by now. If not, write it down. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email address we use, guys, help at disabilityrights.ca. I think we'll get into a second one here. Uh, we still got some time. This one from Leslie writes in, says, My best friend tried to go back to work in his job as a mechanical engineer a couple of months ago after being on LTD for over a year. Within a day of going back, he started getting worse. He has fibromyalgia and chronic knee pains and can't sit for more than 30 minutes at a time. He's on various medications, and his doctors have said that he's not ready to go back to work. He contacted his insurance adjuster and asked to get LTD again, but they're refusing his request because they say that he is no longer disabled from working. What can he do? Can he uh-oh, Can he appeal this? So, John, this is something that we see quite often, um, and, and you know this this comes back to the issue of people being afraid, obviously, to try and go back to work once they're on LTD because they have this fear, and it's a legitimate fear, and we see this here in this case with Leslie's friend, uh, that if they try to go back to work and they don't succeed, then when they try to go back on LTD, the insurance company refuses them and says, no, we think you're all better, despite the fact that the person has done whatever he or she could do to, to, to make this work. And, and here's what I want people to understand. LTD policies contain a provision that's called a recurrence clause. And what that means is that if within a certain period of time, typically it's about six months, uh, you have tried to go back to work and then fail in that return, and it's documented that you failed, uh, you haven't been able to, to keep up with your work duties, you should be able to go back on LTD without waiting the initial elimination period, that period of time at the beginning where you're not getting paid anything. Uh, and you know what we see often, as we see here with Leslie's friend, is that insurance companies are saying no, they're blocking people from doing that. And what I, what I tell people out there is, look, uh, when you go back to work, first of all, do that only with your doctor's blessing, okay? Do not return back to work unless your doctors have confirmed that in their view, medically, you are fit to try and go back to work. And once that happens and you're trying to go back to work, if you're unsuccessful, make sure you go back to your doctors, make sure they record that, and make sure that they then provide the opinion uh, that you still need to be on LTD, and then give that to the insurance company. If the insurance company, if your adjuster says, despite that opinion, despite the failed return to work uh, uh, effort that you've put in, that you cannot, you cannot go back to work, uh, and and the insurance company says we're not gonna we're not gonna put you back on claim. Contact us immediately. Let us help you. It's not gonna be a difficult case to resolve. Certainly, don't assume that the insurance company is right in denying you, uh, in, in in denying putting you back on LTD. 
We'll slide into a quick break, guys, and get more of your emails uh, happening here. Send one along. you got some time anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Just call Savannah or Albert. Have a conversation. It's not going to cost you anything just to get some information and uh, get your head clear about where you should be heading with this uh, this type of thing if it concerns you. Again, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. We're going to continue here with uh, Savan and Albert uh, giving you the information and providing uh, providing it free for this hour. But you want to reach out, have a, a greater conversation, that's no problem. You can also send an email, help at disabilityrights.ca, 1-855-821-5900. And you can uh, type your questions in anytime. There's a website called mydisabilityquestions.com. There's also a database growing daily of people who have asked questions prior to yours. You can do a search and see if it's already been asked. If not, leave it there, and the guys will uh, will get back to it post-haste. Uh, Laura, your email's up next. Says, uh, my brother uh, my brother suffers from severe asthma and works in a hospital. As a result, he's had a lot of anxiety and was even diagnosed recently with PTSD because he saw patients dying from COVID-19. He sees a, psycholog- a psychologist every week and was recommended to go on disability for his psychological issues. He applied for short-term disability and was approved. And then when he applied for long-term, he was approved. Uh, he was approved as well, but then a different adjuster looked at his file and said that they made a mistake and that he should not be on disability because he can work. They said they don't cover psychological disabilities. I don't understand how that can be. Isn't this discriminatory? Can you guys help him? We can definitely help. Uh, very, very, very good uh, of you, Laura, to call in for your email in for your brother. Uh, I'm sorry to hear everything that's been going on. We absolutely can help. And here we see a case where the insurance company is just really throwing the kitchen sink at you. They're saying they're saying he shouldn't be on disability because he can't work. They're saying they don't cover psychological disabilities. Well, which one is it? And we hear this all the time. You simply cannot take what your insurance adjuster is saying at face value. One of the one of the things that I always recommend to potential clients or anyone who kind of reaches out to me is to put it back on the insurance company and actually ask. Where in the policy does it say things like they don't cover psychological disabilities? Because time and time again, I see these insurance adjusters simply make these things up. Put it back on them. I've seen very, very, very few policies that actually don't cover psychological disabilities. So if they're telling you that, don't take it at face value. And even once, even once they tell you or if they send you something that potentially does say that they don't cover psychological disabilities, send us an email, give us a call, we'll review it because it's still not always the case that, uh, that it doesn't cover psychological disabilities or it's not always what they tell you or what they email you. So get, give us a call. We'll look at it with a very critical eye. It'll be free. Uh, and in your brother's case here, uh, clearly he was diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, he, he has he has a number of serious issues. They absolutely should be covered. So please give us a call. It is discriminatory, and we absolutely can help him. Savannah, what do you think, pal? 
I, I agree with everything with Albert says. I, I, yeah. It's extremely rare to see a policy that does not cover psychological disabilities because they don't make a difference. You know, when, when insurance companies put out these policies, usually they're group policies, you get them through work, and the test is, are you disabled from working? That's the question. It's not, are you disabled because of a physical uh, injury or a psychological injury? Now, there is, unfortunately, still a stigma associated with psychological uh, illnesses, um, uh, injuries, like, you know, PTSD as well, um, phobias, etc., anxiety. But here's the thing. If your doctors confirm that you are disabled from working, then the insurance company should be covering you. And I see a lot of people who are being, as Albert puts it, uh, you know, they, they have the kitchen sink thrown at them by insurance companies. I've seen people who are denied on the basis of three, four, five, as high as 12 reasons, or I call them excuses that the insurance company gives for not covering a claim. And we can still pierce through all of those excuses and force the insurance company to pay. Remember that the insurance company's goal is not to pay or to pay as little as possible. As soon as you put up a little bit of resistance, they understand that it's going to be a longer fight. They understand they're going to have the expense of a lawyer or another senior adjuster dealing with the claim. They don't want that, right? Remember, they're economic entities. Yeah. They are, you know, they're hedging their bets. And they understand that the vast majority of people out there that they deny claims to, again, not just for disability, it can be for house insurance, car insurance, travel insurance, the vast majority of people will not challenge them. That's one of the ways they make money, is they keep money that is owed to you. So Laura, as Albert put it, put your brother in touch with us. Um, let us talk to him. It's going to be free. We'll look at that policy, and within a minute or two, we'll be able to tell him if he has a claim against the insurance company. And at that point, he can make a decision. But it's not going to cost him a cent, and at least he'll be empowered, and he'll know what his options are. It's that whole uh, it's that whole thing with the uh, with the appeal too. I mean that comes up every show, but the appeal seems like to you, well to the layperson that okay that's a, an appeal process is something that goes off to the provincial government because it's called an appeal. It's like a normal law case. That's not the case. It's an internal process, right? And it's it's basically useless. It is absolutely useless. Absolutely useless. We've talked about this time and time again. I keep getting flack from adjusters out there who are saying, no, it's not useless. You know, I've just approved the claim last week. Well, yeah, I always fire back when somebody says that to me. Okay, so you approved an appeal last week out of how many in the past year? How many times have I said on the show, John, that I keep asking the insurance industry, and I've, ma I've made formal requests. How many times have I asked, show me your statistics about how many of these appeals of long-term yep. disability denials do you actually uh, uh, approve? How many of these appeals are successful? No one is coming up with these statistics, and I don't believe that they don't have those statistics. Insurance companies have statistics for everything. They must have these statistics, but they're not sharing them for a very simple reason, because if they show you that it's a 1% or less than 1% or anything close to that, it's going to make my point. So instead, they're being silent. So appeals are useless. Don't play around with whatever the insurance company is giving you. You have to initiate the legal process. That is how you gain leverage over the insurance company. All right, let's get down to, uh, to Sandeep. We've still got a couple minutes before we got a break. Sandeep says, I was walking outside a grocery store in early July and didn't notice a huge pothole in the parking lot. I tripped and fell and broke my left knee. Wow, they, uh, they did surgery on me, and I have difficult walking now. Difficulty. I'm just wondering if there's something I can do about it. I'm a contractor and have a very physical job and will probably not be able to work for the next few months, so I'll be losing a lot of money. What should I do? My son took photos of the pothole. Good man. Uh, it was about a foot in length and probably a few inches deep. 
Okay, well, we're running out of time, so let me give you the close notes here, Sandeep. You have a case. You have a case, especially given the fact that your son took photos. You have a serious injury. You're going to have income losses. We deal with these claims all the time. Okay, you need to get in touch with us after the show. We'll talk to you. First, we have to establish who owns that property. We have to get in touch with their insurance company. Uh, and, and from there, we start, we start discussing uh, your case and, and exactly what happened. Why is it that there was a pothole? And what are your damages? Because a case like this, John, with an injury like this, an income loss can easily, easily get, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation. Because at the end of the day, that pothole is a danger. Uh, and, and, you know, Sandeep injured his, his knee, but somebody else could potentially fall down and, and injure their head, right? I mean, you can have more serious injuries. So we can help you, Sandeep. Get in touch with us after the show. We'll explain everything to you. You'll be empowered by that conversation because you know what your options are. And we'll tell you exactly how to get the compensation that you deserve. We'll get to some more emails. You want to send one along? It's uh, no problem. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the address. This is the Disability Law Show. It's on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Thanks for sticking around to the Disability Law Show. The toll-free number, 1-855-821-5900. Email address, which we use every show. Love getting your emails on the show. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for free questions and answers about LTD, just lay them down there, mydisabilityquestions.com at, uh, at any time. Guys, let's move on to Ben's email. Ben says, my father is 61, worked for the airline industry for many years. He was temporarily laid off because of COVID. But before COVID hit, he was on short-term disability for chronic back problems and arthritis. He applied for long-term disability but was denied because the insurance company says that he can't work because of COVID. And that's not their problem. I don't understand. He was already on disability before COVID hit Canada. How can they blame COVID for this? Can we do anything about it? So, Albert, do you want so to take ben, this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take this. So, Ben, uh, thanks for emailing in for your dad here, uh, and you kind of hit the hit the nail right on the head. He was on uh, he was on disability before COVID. So, for them to now blame COVID is completely nonsensical, and we see this time and time again. They always want to blame anything but people's actual injuries or disabilities. It's crazy. We see it. They blame the workplace. They say that it's situational. They say that this is to do with one relationship. But the fact of the matter is that he was already dealing with these issues prior to COVID. And, uh, and the, re- the reason that he's off of work is because of chronic back problems and arthritis. It's as simple as that. As long as he has the support of his doctors, he absolutely has a case. As we talk about on the show time and time again, do not waste your time or don't waste your dad's time with appealing. It's just an absolute waste of time. Uh, give us a call, and we can, have, we can, we can definitely help them. Uh, in the meantime, what I'd recommend you do is tell your dad to go speak to all of his different treatment providers. Obviously, for chronic back problems and arthritis, he's probably seeing a number of different specialists. And get those specialists to actually endorse that it's not due to COVID, that that's nonsensical. And, of course, the reason that he's off of work is because of these problems, and the reason that he can't work is because of these problems and get that in writing and and once you do if you contact us 
you have those letters in hand, we should be able to get a very, very expeditious resolution. You know, Savannah, it doesn't sound, it sounds like they're just kind of, I don't think this is the first time or last time you're going to hear about an insurance company pulling that excuse out because of COVID. It's convenient, it's timely, but a lot of the times it's not going to hold water, right? It's not going to hold water, and they know it. That's no. the thing. Insurance companies are very aware of what they're doing. Look, I'm not saying that every time they deny a claim, they're wrong. Obviously, that's not the case. Sometimes they are correct. But in so many instances, they are wrong. They're giving wrong information to claimants. Uh, and, you know, I've had some situations where adjusters just flat out lied. Look, I've had a situation, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I don't remember exactly when, where somebody contacted me telling me that they were denied long-term disability, but the adjuster actually told the claimant, go and apply for the CERB. I mean, look, the CERB has certain eligibility criteria. The fact that everybody's now getting it, irrespective of that, that does not mean that the individual should not be getting LTD. You know, it has nothing to do with the CERB. It has nothing to do with, with COVID. You know, if you are totally disabled under the policy, okay, and what I mean by that is if your doctors are saying that you cannot work, you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation in the first two years or any occupation beyond the two years for which, which you're suited for, insurance companies should be paying you. It's that simple, you know, period. And, uh, you know, the fact that they're now blaming COVID, I'm not surprised. As Albert put it, I'm not surprised. But Ben, look, this is something we can definitely help your father with. And the message I want to send to everyone out there, just like you've heard from Ben, you've heard from other people who have emailed us here, this may not be relevant to you, but it may be relevant to people you know. You may know someone who is experiencing an issue with a long-term disability provider, a friend, a colleague, a family member. Please tell them to contact us or to go onto our webpage. We have all of these shows recorded. We have the TV shows there as well. This is free information and it's information to empower you. It's information that the insurance companies would love you not to have because the less information you have about your rights, the more power they have. And this is what you need to understand that you are not as powerless as you think you are. So again, Ben, thank you for reaching out. We will help your father. Just put us in touch with him. Let's get to Donna. Finally, uh, guys says, uh, my best friend ha had a nervous breakdown at work last January, but it wasn't all work-related. There were issues with her boyfriend, and her mother died, so she had to go off work on disability. She applied for long-term and was denied because the insurance company says that her work is to blame and she should go through workers' compensation, but she did, and they rejected her. I'm trying to help her, but I don't know what to do now. Is there anything she can do with her insurance company or workers' comp? Yeah, absolutely, Donna. So again, another instance, John, of somebody taking care and, uh, you know, helping their friend by reaching out to us. This is something we see quite often, this interplay between workers' compensation. Uh, in Ontario, it's WSIB. In BC, it's WCB uh, and long-term disability law. Policies, long-term disability policies generally contain provisions that say that if you are eligible for workers' compensation and you apply and you get the money, well, then that pays you first. In other words, we don't have to pay you. That You first have to apply for workers' compensation. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes, insurance companies confuse the issues. And here you have Donna saying that, yes, she had a breakdown at work, but it wasn't all work-related. There were personal issues here. And insurance companies, again, remember, they're trying to deflect. They don't want to pay you. So they're telling you to apply everywhere else, whether it's workers' compensation or CPP disability or anywhere else to get money so they don't have to pay you or so that they can, ha so they have to pay you as little as, little as possible. Mm -hmm. 
And, and in this case, obviously, Donna's friend applied for, work, for, for workers' compensation. She got denied. Well, clearly then, she should go back to the long-term disability insurer. But guess what, John? I guarantee you that if she goes back to the insurance company, they'll say, well, too bad. You just have to appeal that workers' compensation decision. No, you don't have to do that. The insurance company, Donna, has to pay your friend. Again, as long as her doctors, whether it's a psychologist, psychotherapist, whatever, chronic pain doctors, whoever it is, as long as they say that she's disabled from working because of the issues she's experiencing, because of an illness or an injury, then the insurance company must pay her. And we can force them to pay her. So, so you know, she doesn't know what to do. Many people are in that situation. They don't know what to do. They feel helpless. This is what we are here for. Remember that when you contact us and speak to me or speak to Albert or James or anyone else on the team, you have zero obligation to do anything, okay? We're not forcing you to hire us. We're not forcing you to fight the insurance company. We just want you to have the information you need. And every case is specific. Every case, you know, is nuanced, especially when you're dealing with long-term disability. So please reach out to us. We'll give you the information you need. It can be via email, by phone, by Zoom, whatever you'd like. We just want people empowered, John, because insurance companies, you know, they've gotten away with this for far too long, and we're here to stop that. Guys, nicely done. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and you as well. You want to reach out to Savan or Albert or James tomorrow. Remember that amazing team there, one 821 5900 email address we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And you want to go to disabilityrights.ca, you can catch past shows, uh, radio shows, and links to our television show, as Savannah's mentioned as well, 30-minute uh, version of what we do here on the radio each week. So make sure you take advantage of that. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.